I don't feel like it's necessary. Then it isn't. I, I agree. We just lead right in. Yeah. Cool. Um, so uh, today you gave me a copy of the Sheik Your Booty or Shake Your Booty. However you like album. To. Yes, indeed. Um, on that album, like him and this other dude who I'm not 100% sure who it is. Um, they like do this like back and forth banter in between songs. Yeah. And then they're like laughing and just, it's an outrageous little shit that they do. Generally carrying on. Yeah. And so then, uh, you know, that album is very popular. It's probably the most popular Frank Zappa album for the mainstream public. Yeah. Uh, then like after he had died, they released this, I think it was a triple album at the time, but double CD. Um, called lather lather yeah and it has a bunch of those same recordings of them back going back and forth in the recording studio yeah like it actually has even more than uh that are on chic your booty and this wasn't live sorry for interrupting no there's just them fooling around in the studio okay um and so yeah so it was a lot of it was on chic your booty it was all recorded during that time and then after he passed away, they put out this triple album with where the songs are all interwoven with like this back and forth shit. Anyway, okay. so I'm going to play a little bit of it. Why don't you take it down to C sharp, Ernie? Talk him down, Vic. Come on down, Johnny. Okay. weird that i could listen to that for like a really long time yeah i I don't know i like i said like people really loved that those parts from the chic your booty album Mm -hmm. and when this one came out like i specifically bought this one for that stuff it wasn't like there's lots of good songs on it obviously but i just i don't know like you said i could listen to that go on and on and on and some of the things like they'll just it's all you know stream of consciousness Oh stuff. yeah. Yeah. So some of it is pretty funny. The stuff that they come up with, like in, in the other little bits throughout the albums. Well, it's just off the wall shit. You don't hear a lot of people just letting it all out of their head, which yeah. is, uh, it's refreshing. I think that's Ruth on percussion. Who knows? The, the lady who played percussion with Zappa was a really, really good percussionist yeah, yeah for sure she also toured with uh zappa plays zappa oh you got to see ruth live yeah that's awesome yep i did i missed that show 
sadly enough, it was not in the mix at that point. Well, there was two of those shows, right? So the, there's one like years before that was the, the first one, right? Okay. Obviously it was the first one. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, there's, I can't tell that story. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. We'll keep it for ourselves. I've recently learned uh, why leaves turn orange in the fall. Okay. Do you have any knowledge on this? No, I could probably uh, make something up though and see if it was right. You want to give it a shot or should I just go for it? Um, does it have something to do with like uh, photosynthesis? It does. Yeah. And uh, maybe like, you know, conserving energy for the winter. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, that's what I would. Why else would it occur? That's very fair. It, it makes sense. Um, so this time of year, as you said, the trees are trying to conserve their nutrients. So they break down cells with chlorophyll, which make them green, recycle all those nutrients. And then what's left is the other pigment, beta carotene, which is orange. Okay. So it's always there, but it's just at this time of year, the chlorophyll breaks down and that's all you can see. And it's to pr protect the leaves from like burning essentially, and then creating radical oxygen harms the plant. So it's pretty cool. Hmm. I have a, this tree. I don't, I don't know what kind of tree it is, but like, uh, it starts off the year with its leaves green. Okay. And then on May long weekend, it, uh, flowers. And then a couple of days after that, it all falls off and it's super fragrant when it flowers. Like it, like smell, you could smell it in the whole neighborhood. What does it smell like? I don't know. Like I said, I'm not sure what kind of tree it is. And then, um, after that, the leaves turn purple and they stay purple until they fall off. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what kind of tree it is. You should find out. I don't care. I'd be interested. Maybe I'll, uh, I'll take a picture and then you can, yeah, uh, I'll do the work. You just send it over. Yeah. <laughs> So what's, what's new? Not much, man. It's on a bit of a grind at the moment, that time of year, getting yeah. ready to hunker down for that cold Canadian winter. It always seems like it's going to be long, but before you know it, it's springtime again. So right. I'm kind of looking forward to the, the dark and cold times for a little while. What about you? Um, yeah, uh, whatever. Things are getting shorter. Otherwise, it's the same shit. That's that's very true. Uh, so we were talking about Neil earlier off off podcast, Mister Young, and uh, I was thinking, you ever wait? Do you ever check out uh, Shower Thoughts on uh, Reddit? No. Oh, you should definitely check it out. So <laughs> this I is a total shower thought. Let's hear it. Yeah. Um, do you think? Neil Young is able to remember every single one of his songs? I think that's a really good question, JP. Cause like I once, I once heard or read something that, um, the average person can only remember like 160 people or names. Was it you telling me that it must've been, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where I can't remember where I heard this, but that it's around that number 160. Like I'm not saying that, it's scientific, but it's some, something like that. I've heard the same thing. I don't know if it was from you, but. Oh, it definitely wasn't. I don't think I've ever really talked about oh, this before. Well, I've heard of it as well. So, you know, 
I'm not sure how many songs Neil has. We talked about how he had 40 studio albums. Yeah. Um, if there was even, you know, four songs on those 40 studio albums, then he would have 160 songs. Yeah, that's very true. And right? so what do you think is more complicated, a song or a human? Well, a human. Yeah, um, I agree. But you think about like, it's not just, it's not like, could I remember and play all of Neil's songs? No. Because I didn't write them. You think that writing them uh, might have some, you know, imprinting on the brain that would work better than trying to learn someone else's song? I'd agree with that. So maybe he can, but if he can, I would think like if he could remember every single song, like if you just said throw out the name of a song and he could start playing it, that would be really impressive. I, I agree. I think that, and I, I love Neil Young. A lot of Neil's chord progressions and stylings can be very similar. Sure. So in a way, a lot of his songs may be adunks or i know what you're saying so sort of like a he's got like his own ingrained sort of basic blues riff exactly and that 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 pops up for sure that's part of his style though Mm -hmm. yeah no i get that so i think to that degree but his solos are like all all over the place have we talked about his soloing on the cast before we did talk about the single was it 38 notes in a row that's all i was gonna bring up yeah Yeah. down by the river but then again just simple right like he, he plays very simple music yeah but he also plays complex um guitar solos as well he does do you have any examples off the top of your head Um, i I know he does i'm just curious i'm yeah um like cortez the killer nice yeah i haven't listened to to that in a long time he's got lots he's got like on almost all of his good songs like even you know cinnamon girl we were listening to earlier he's Mm -hmm. got a good guitar solo on that yeah yeah. The acoustic version inclusive. Uh, I'm not really familiar with the acoustic version. Fair enough. Um, that's a good question. I feel like Neil Young could probably remember more than 160. But as someone who dabbles in musical instruments, I find myself forgetting things all the time. Lyrics, but to songs that I have not written. So that might be a big part of it, as you as you previously mentioned. Mm-hmm be a, a sad day when neil uh neil dies that's for sure oh, is he is he gonna die no i mean eventually yes he's getting old yeah i guess so seems like he's uh still going strong i believe he's still making music so I'm sure well, he's doing he's just fine got music that he already made that it was never released like you know like he just released that box set last year of like 80 some songs that had never been released before. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking crazy. He was just sitting on that shit. It's ridiculous. I would have probably put them out earlier if I was him. So I'm, tr- I'm trying to find something right now. Um, but I'm going through my YouTube watch history. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're familiar with, um, you're familiar with, uh, MF doom rap snitches. Yes. Right. So this sometimes I get these recommendations on YouTube and it's this uh, 20 second clip 
of Freddie Gri- Freddie Gibbs and that other dude on the Joe Rogan podcast, oh, where he's right. talking Who was about the other guy. I don't remember. <laughs> I could just play it the audio of it. He and, was a comedian, right? Yeah, here. Uh, the forty-five caliber bullet, because what they're using like some like a little over a twenty-two. Damn, and you know this is some real shit because it was a crackhead back in the day. I shot the nigga nine times with a Tech Nine, and he kept running down the alley. Rap snitches telling all their business, sit in the court and be their own star witness. Do you see the perpetrator? Yeah, I'm right here. <laughs> that is exceptional. Yeah, and it just pop, popped up for me the other day. It was cracking me up <laughs> when I was uh, the 45 caliber bullet. Because sorry, no, no, yeah. Uh, when I was watching that podcast, I'm like, he's really uh, yeah, opening up you here. Did say, yeah, I remember you mentioning it. <laughs> I hear Freddie Gibbs is working on a new project. Oh, I'm he's sure. Pretty active recently. Yeah, definitely. He released a track with Nas and somebody else like a year ago. Okay. Maybe half a year ago. It was, it was a good track. Lots of singles coming Nas out from Freddie. Like, when did Nas start putting out music? In the 90s? Yeah, he was. That's crazy. What year was Illmatic? 96? I'm always going to go back to 96 in my head. What do you think? Um, I might even say earlier than that. Like I think 94. you might be right. Wow, 92. Oh, say there you go. Crazy. Dude, uh, excuse me. music forever. Recorded 92 to 93, released 94. Yeah, that's right. That's <clears throat> what I said. Yeah, you were. Eh. And the production crew on that album is crazy. Yeah, DJ Premier, Q-Tip, a bunch of other people. Yeah, that's that was a really good time for the hip-hop. The hippity-hop. So I was at my local corner store recently, mm-hmm. and uh, they've been there for 15 years. They're in the bottom of an apartment building. Okay. And it's a, definitely a small operation. It's these. It's a couple, husband and, husband and wife from Eritrea, or Eritrea, I'm not sure. No, Eritrea. Eritrea. And um, they're there like 10, 12 hours a day. Great people. And I was in there the other day and they got a Bitcoin ATM. Okay. I thought that was kind of peculiar. Which uh, which one was it? Uh, which ATM? Yeah. Which I'm not sure. Oh. Probably should have looked into it. But um, he was telling me he has a customer that comes in every day to use it. I'm like, for, for what? What would somebody need a Bitcoin ATM for every day? What do you think? Cigarettes? No. Maybe it's, maybe they're into, you know, money laundering or selling drugs or, you know. Maybe, but as soon as it's he said not, that. It's not something legit. No. As no. soon as he said it, I'm like, what like, the is fuck's he taking going out on cash here? or is he? I didn't ask. Well, he should have. I'll, I'll follow up. It's content. It's, it's true. I need to figure out uh, if it dispenses cash or if he can only buy as well. It should be. No, it's both. Right. That's what I mean. So he's probably, if I was to guess, he's probably um, converting from Bitcoin to cash. Probably. It doesn't really make sense to be taking cash to Bitcoin because there's better ways to do that. And you need an ID. No. Any way to use an ATM. You might... For some. The ones that I've tried. I'm not sure about I, this one. I use this one called the Honey Patcher. <laughs> I'm sure that's, that's what it's called. That's the name of it? I'm pretty sure that's what the name of the company is. That's pretty great. Yeah. And uh, there there's, was no ID required or anything. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So. And But the, it's like 
they take a cut, right? As you would. That's why I'm saying like there's other places in the city where you could go with like say $9,000 in cash every day and mm-hmm. they would sell you at, at a much cheaper rate and no questions asked. I see. Right. Cause it's only after $10,000 that you need to, they, it needs to be reported to tax man. Oh, right. So $9,000 a day. I think it's the same in the, in the States. Interesting. Yeah. Keep it under 10 and you're good. Yeah, exactly. Huh? You learn something new every day. Yeah. So you would be better off to just save up your Bitcoin unless you were really worried about the fluctuating price. But right now it's so fucking high. What is it right now? Oh, like 56K. Wow. US. Wow. Yeah. I thought you were speaking Canadian. No, I always deal in American money with crypto because it's easier to remember historically right there's not too many places trading in canadian dollars that's very true bitcoin it's more of a u.s dollar to bitcoin so i always try to try to stay with the u.s numbers just so in my head i know where it's at yeah that's that's fair i'd say most people are using the same method yeah so bitcoin is at fifty-seven thousand or fifty-six thousand seven hundred dollars pretty good yeah you couldn't we couldn't have just stopped for a second and you do that sorry you got to have two of them you're double fisting you want to no i'm just do that one again totally (laughs) totally kidding the answer is yes yeah so 56k um hell yeah speaking of crypto i now own over three million shiba inu you bastard and uh i don't know if you've seen the price go since we talked about it last week to yep. now what happened uh well i've known this for a while but did you know that elon musk bought a shiba inu puppy uh, no yeah he did and he posted a picture of it on twitter last week for and the fucking sakes. price went up like for fuck's sake. it went it's been up like over 50 percent where are you buying it from i bought it on coinbase, coinbase right i, I converted a, bun- a bunch of uh other shit to to shiba inu do you know the the origin story of it i'm pretty sure it's a meme on a meme right it's like it's a meme coin of dogecoin yeah yeah but because i know these i was i was into mining back when before right when doge came about yeah you were really on the scene then and shiba inu is not that far behind but um the thing about it is is uh shiba inu which is fucking crazy it's um i'm just gonna tell you what the market cap is it's something crazy Hmm. i was uh oh here we go uh it's a 12 billion dollar market cap jesus it's the number it's the 10th most popular uh crypto coin right now that happened pretty quickly Dude, think about this for a second. Shiba Inu has, it's never been more probable that Shiba Inu is going to go to the moon one way or the other. (laughs) Meaning if Elon can't make it go to the moon financially, he can make it go to the moon by sending his dog to the moon during, during, because that's what they're doing. That's what Starship is doing, right? They're, they're researching for a moon mission 
Oh. So yeah, once it's like solid, I could see Elon putting that dog on the moon. Putting it to the moon just for the just for the lulls. Yeah. Yeah. So if that see, been, if that happens, imagine how how much this coin is going to go up. I know. So I got three million. It was like eighty dollars at the time. That's pretty good. Yeah. I'll probably move some of my assets into that. Yeah, get rid of that some of that Cardano. Yeah, that shit has been not moving at all for a few months. Had some nice gains there over the summer, which is great. Like within a few weeks it went up two hundred percent, I think. But um just the the potential for yield with such a cheap coin like Shiba Inu, it, it's attractive. And I mean, when I first read about this, okay, like five months ago or so, I was like, I need to get in on this, but you could only get it through Uniswap. Right. But that's and, what I mean. Well, now that it's on Coinbase, yeah. Um, so I've I've did some some quick maths. Mm. If if Shiba Inu went up to one cent, I would have like. That would be like thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, that's fucking insane. Yeah, yeah, that's like a three thousand percent increase. And I could honestly, like I said, if if Elon keeps talking about it, I could see it going up more, even more than that. It seems to be a game with that guy. Yeah, but he's he's all about the memes and the lulls. He's the real deal, but he's a fucker. Yeah, of course. Like he's just a fucker. Right. Um, he bought a fucking Shiba Inu. Recently? Yes. Oh. <laughs> it's a fucking puppy. This is older. No, go to his Twitter and look at his last few posts. There's a picture of it. It's fucking cute. I'll check it out after the show. Yeah. Um, when I was doing my reading on Shiba Inu uh, a little while ago, they gave half of the coins they made to Vitalik from Ethereum. Okay. Um, and then decided to sell the rest. And I guess the idea was to keep the value to a certain point. Vitalik then donated everything that he had to a group in India during the COVID nice. pandemic. Um, but when I read that, I'm like, this has to take off. It's taken off. It's taken off, but for totally different reasons. It has nothing to do with Vitalik's uh, charitable donations with this obscure no. coin. It's no. Elon again. Yeah. It's just so fucking crazy to think that Shiba Inu could go to the moon either way. <laughs> it's kind of reassuring. You know, like get your it's, moon boots it's ready. It's 100% possible. I agree. Both could happen. The price could go to the moon and he could put his dog on a fucking rocket to the moon. But like that just was, for the lulls. You're you're a pet owner. Yeah. You couldn't send uh solo on a mission could you yeah out to the moon why not you send it, your cat to the moon if, yeah i mean you're not you're not sending anything unless it's been done autonomously first sure like one of those uh yeah i'm not gonna send it if there's a one in ten chance it's going to work it has to be like at least nine out of ten have already succeeded start with a uh, spot from boston like dynamics jeff bezos isn't getting on the first fucking rocket launch you know but william shatner is in a yeah. couple of days what do you think about that yeah i think I'd... okay so i don't know if we should really get into this but we it was on touch on to it for a second <laughs> so have you read about all the people the whistleblowers coming out of blue origin in no, the last couple of weeks i haven't so the last few weeks 
there's been a lot of whistleblowers. I'm not going to get into it because I don't, I haven't researched it enough, but enough. I know that there's been a lot of people that were saying that there's been a lot of, um, uh, safety things that have been brought up by people that have been completely ignored by blue origin and every, you know, uh, some racial stuff, Interesting. some, uh, sexual harassment stuff. Yeah. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they have a failure, uh, in one of their next few launches like mechanically yeah wouldn't that be something yeah and i'm not saying you know that's gonna happen to the shad no but um it could sure yeah let's hope that captain kirk makes it there and back i don't know how much do you know about about uh Mr. Shatner. Uh, not a lot other than he's a, he's, you know, track. he's like a, it's like a well-known douchebag. Is he? Yeah. He's a real douche. Oh yeah. Like why is he such a douche? So Mr. George Takai, you know, familiar, um, he tells, was telling all of these stories about how, you know, because Shatner knew that he was gay, uh-huh. that when it came to the, the movies that Shatner was a producer on the Star Trek movies and always tried to keep George off of those movies because he was being an asshole and whatever, didn't want to promote George yet. All the other casts, you know, they were around were getting involved and whatever. Anyway, he just, George always talked about on Stern about, um, the shit that William Shatner used to do. And I remember even one time like Stern tried to like get the two of them to make up and wouldn't have it. No, it wasn't happening. Ah, that's a shame. Yeah. And then I, th- I can't believe breaking I'm breaking my Star part, Trek heart, but I think, uh, I feel like something happened to William Shatner's wife. Okay. I don't know if she died or if she was mortally wounded or, you know, I don't know what happened. Some shit went down. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that he was like, I'm pretty sure she didn't die, but I'm pretty sure that he was openly, you know, frolicking with other women at the time. No, like afterwards, oh, like, no. you know, like whatever happened to her, she, she couldn't, wasn't well. Yeah. She couldn't uh, fulfill the duties of a spouse. Sure. And, yeah, I think that he was just like openly, you know. Was she not okay DTF. with it? No, I, th- I don't think she, I don't think she had it. Could could say either way. I don't even know if I'm what I'm talking about is right. So I should, we should just probably stop talking about it. <laughs> uh, well, disclaimer: uh, what you may have just heard may or may not be half true. Bon voyage, Captain Kirk. Yeah. Live long and prosper. <laughs> God, I love Star Trek. Brig. No, it doesn't take take away. It doesn't take away from Star Trek. Oh no, absolutely not. It would just. It would kind of suck to see William Shatner being a douche, but George Takai on Stern probably speaking some truth. I think we need to ask Uhura. She's definitely still around. I, I heard Leonard's, that she, Leonard's dead. Oh yeah. 
We can't ask him. No, I, I take George Takei's word for it. Too bad. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to find an example. And I'm going to continue looking. But um, what are your thoughts on mashups? Mashups. Yeah, like song mashups. Um. Oh, I think that's an awful thing. I think it's the worst thing next to musicals. To be honest with you, it's okay. um. When a song becomes novelty, I'm usually out. Yeah, you know, if you're when you're trying to do a thing, there's some exceptions. If the music is great, but um, for instance, Jay Z and Lincoln Park. Remember that? But one? that's not really a mashup. Was it a collab? That's like a yeah. That's a that's like a mashup of two groups or two art sets of artists. Yeah, but I'm talking about where people take like two different hit songs by two different people and mash them together. Usually a flop, in my opinion. Yeah. What about yourself? So like, jeez, uh, I don't know if we should. I should even bother trying to play this, but I, I want to hear it. I think you should play it. Okay, so this one is uh, Iron Maiden versus Michael Jackson. Okay. And it's Beat It and Trooper. Okay, so there's that one. I forgot how much I like Maiden. Right, of course. And then there's um, there's The Doors and Black Sabbath. Ooh. Yeah, break on through to the paranoid side. That's funny. All right. Let's give this. Softening me up. think of that that's pretty good i mean i don't think i'd listen to it on my own no but i don't think it was bad when you have two really good songs like that it's tough to go wrong shit you might be swinging me on this no I, i'm not trying to i, I actually I, I don't, know you actually don't like don't like the mashups <laughs> that one was kind of okay but i didn't know about this one until just now I just love both of those songs and hearing them both at once. It's okay. I must say. Yeah. There's some really bad ones. That's for sure. Anything that's dancey, usually not into it, but those are, those are tasteful. Um, here, here's one. Uh, it's a uh, Dio and, uh, and, um, survivor. Eye of the Holy Diver. <laughs> Funny. Thank you. 
I want more Dio. Yeah, I was just going to say like... Um, Ronnie James, man. He could sing. Ronnie James Dio? Yes. Yeah. Um, have you... You were talking earlier, like, again, off the podcast, which I feel like we should just be recording all of our conversations these days. Get a portable uh, microphone for... Anyway. Um, you were talking about... Uh, the dude from the record store in his heavy metal or death metal recommendations, right? Yeah. Um, you're familiar with Holy Diver, obviously, by Dio, but have you ever heard the version by Killswitch and Gage? No. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting. I'll, I can pull it up here for a second and play a little bit of it. Right on. But I was uh, listening to a bit from a band called Carcass the other day. You've mm -hmm. heard of Carcass? No. A lot of growling vocally. The music I love. Just a lot of death metal. Hmm. All right, you ready for this? I am. Let's let's hear. Just for clarification, that isn't Dio singing, right? No, this is Kill Switch Engage. Man, he nails it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's so good. It's a really good version of Holy Diver. Wow. Yeah. I was a big fan of the uh, Sabbath album Heaven and Hell with, with Dio. Uh-huh. It was... Uh, it's it, funny it, that we're talking about this. It is. Yeah. It's kind of a corny album, but... Uh, All of that stuff was pretty corny, but that's what makes it so good. Yeah. I'm, we're not. I'm not going to play more Dio. No, but um, a lot of people are either Ozzy or Dio. I'm I'm good with both. Um, I like Dio solo. I like Ozzy solo. Mm. I like Black Sabbath with Ozzy. It is better. Yeah, and I I agree with you there. Yeah, but I'm not upset when I hear Ronnie. Oh no, Ronnie James no, Dio. No, just those albums never really stuck. No, kind of a weird period of, of Sabbath at that point. Have you ever listened to uh, Zach Sabbath? no is that who is that this is a guitar player okay um i forget what his name is zach wild zach wild yeah zach okay wild. I, i've listened to what was the band that he was in do you remember black label society yeah yeah listen to some of their stuff but sure. never but really like, got into they it do, they do like cover he has like a cover band of black sabbath oh that's cool called zach sabbath it's pretty good some of it i'm not into but some of the songs are pretty good i like that tone of guitar yeah, sure but like it, that. It, it's hard to outdo Black Sabbath 
you know, trying to cover a Black Sabbath song, it's going to be very hard to outdo uh, the original. Yeah, that's raw music. Like uh, in the late 90s, they released these Black Sabbath tribute albums Mm. called Nativity in Black, one and two. And um, there's a version of, uh, um, what is it called? Oh, The Wizard. Yeah, off the or, first album, I think. Yeah, there's a version of The Wizard that's really good. And then there's, that, what's that song, Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath? Yeah. Um, done by like, uh, um, is it Monster Magnet? Or, oh, cool. Let me look it up. Monster Magnet had some great stuff. Yeah. I was once drunk and uh, walking downtown in our city. And one of the music venues, the person outside, I was like, I heard Monster Magnet. For some reason, I must have been rather drunk, but it turns out it was Monster Truck, the band. And I paid $5 to go into this show, and it was fucking terrible. No shit, hey? Oh, my God. And that's why you don't drink, kids, because you end up at a Monster Truck show. Oh, sorry. It's by Typo Negative. Typo Negative. It Great band name. It is fucking crazy, this song. Huh. I'm going to play it, and if whatever, we'll just... So you're familiar with this, right? What is this? Yeah. So you got to hear him, this guy sing, sing it. It's, it's crazy. Um, wow. Let's, let's see if we can find, find it. What is this? Let's stand. crazy hey man the combination of that kick and the floor toms is it, fucking it's, awesome i would play more but it, it's a very long song so i'll listen it, to that it, on my own it just gets crazier but um there was also a version of symptom of the universe by Sepul- nice. sepultura oh, i love sepultura yeah for some reason it's that specific song is blocked off of the album i can't play it hmm. but 
I got to see Sepultura live here, and I realized years afterwards it wasn't the original. Members. There's nobody of the original band there, right? Which uh, I got to see them right before they broke up in like, like in the '96. Oh man, that was the Roots, Bloody Roots. So album. that was at um, fuck, that was, was a good a, album at an Ozfest. Cool, where? In Ottawa, Ottawa. Yeah, so it was uh, Danzig. Nice. Danzig opening for Sepultura, opening for Ozzy. Oh, man. Yeah, it was fantastic. That must have been something else. Yeah. How was Ozzy at that point? Ozzy was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we were we were sitting like at the back of the bowl, like the back from, from where the stage is, um, very first row on before the floor, right? Wow. So like right at the hockey board. So you're not having to look up. Right. Which is perfect. Yeah. So um, during the encore, Ozzy says, screams out like, the first motherfucker who can get up on stage is coming to party or something or coming backstage. Oh, no. And people just started fucking like jumping over. And we were like, like I said, we were like in the front row that wasn't on the floor. So we hopped over and we started making our way to the front. And we got, let's say, you know, about within about like 10 rows to the front. Yeah. But like there were like chairs though. Right. And like people were getting crushed, dude. <laughs> I remember there was this dude whose leg was caught in one of those folding chairs. That happened to me at a soccer game once. Yeah. But this guy is in the middle of a fucking mob. Fair enough. And he's like crying out for help. And I just kept going. Yeah. You could have party with Ozzy. Snooze, you lose, dude. Yeah. And I remember that Zach Wilde was like. And he, he did this on all the shows that I've, like I've been, I've seen Ozzy like four, four, five times maybe. Well, Black Sabbath once and Ozzy like four times. Oh. Yeah. Um, he always like takes a big swig of water and then like spits it all over the crowd. I'd be so mad if I yeah. was in the front row. We, uh, we almost got hit. Um, we got hit by Ozzy's water cannon though. Not he from his like mouth. A, no, he had like a giant water gun that was attached to like a hose. He would just spray the crowd. Oh, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. As long as it's not spit, I'm good. Spit no. on me, we have a problem. Yeah. No, I just remember that that's something that Zach Wilde does. Kind of a dick move, Zach. Yeah. That's awesome, man. <laughs> have you ever heard of Carts of Darkness? Yeah, I was the one that introduced you guys to that. You're the guy, hey? Yeah. Do you I want to the... take lead? So Carts of Darkness is like a documentary um, about like these homeless dudes um, who are typically have an addiction problem um, in the North Vancouver area, uh, British Columbia. And what they do is, so that's a very hilly area. Very steep. It's very steep, right? And so what these guys do is they'll, the pe- people, they're known to the people that live around there. So people will leave out their uh bottles and cans for them to take to the recycling depot and get money for them so these guys all have like carts like shopping carts that they use to do their collections so they will go and do their collections every day and then they'd spend the money on you know 40s 40s i don't know if there's any blunts but i didn't see any blunts no but 40s anyway um and then they would get like fucking wasted sleeping so i don't some of them were i don't think all of them were homeless the majority were yeah but the key was that these motherfuckers would ride 
their shopping carts down this massive fucking hill hitting like I don't know how fast, 60 kilometers an hour. It was like they were bombing this huge, huge hill. To the point that this guy was like going through a pair of shoes every week. Because they'd use their shoes as brakes. Yeah, he had that one. Like, and he he had that special way where he locked locked his foot into the shopping cart. Yeah. That if anything happened to that shopping cart, he was flipping with it or he was going to be pulled whichever way it went. So you fucking stop. Yeah. And like, I guess people, some of these people have been seriously injured. Well, the, yeah, you you gotta watch the the movie. It's, I think it's on YouTube for free. It's National Film Board of Canada. Yeah, so I don't so know. It might be only if it. you're in Canada, but if you have the VPN, True. just use your VPN to point it to Canada and then search for it. There you go. Uh, there's probably clips on uh, YouTube, but it's definitely worth watching. Oh my! And it's an hour long. I haven't seen it in a few years, but those are the hard, hard, some hard working homeless dudes. They're pulling in cash. Well, yeah. They're, they're, it's truly amazing. they're able to survive um, doing that and have an extreme sport as a hobby. Yeah. You got to be fucking fearless to do that shit. Oh man. And it's, a shopping cart, like forget something that's like controlled, like a, you know, like a scooter or something. Yeah. No, this shows a shopping no wheel. Cart. No, and, and you're no, just no steering wheel. I mean, plus they're not like getting in it. They're like balancing themselves on the back of it. You know, when you're going through the grocery store yeah, and, and feeling cheaper. Back. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing that. But as you said, probably about 60 kilometers an hour. Even maybe more. It's, I just didn't want to exaggerate. No. We'll say 60 to be safe. Yeah. But truly amazing stuff to watch. And it's also a good uh, good look at the different aspects of street and homeless life. Yeah. I mean, especially in a, like, there's not too many places in Canada where you can be homeless outside all year round. True. That is, you know, that and is. Vancouver is one of those places. Beautiful city. I was there recently. Yeah. I see lots of homeless people. Yeah. Yeah. We were in the East Hastings. Van area okay. up in East Hastings, but uh, really nice. I just don't know if it's the town for me. Really? Yeah. Wow. I think the, the city we're in right now is just the right pace. If it, if there was Van's more, very if there quick. was more water. I hear that. I hear that. Yeah, I want to. I want. I want to be around some water if possible. It's. Uh, I grew up in the early years in the eastern part of Canada, and like you're always around the ocean. It's a great way to live. Yeah, I've never really lived near the ocean. Man, I like visiting it. So I, I would, at some point, like to spend some time. Laid back. Yeah, for sure. And I don't need to like. I don't need to go dipping in the ocean. I just want to be able to like look at it. Yeah, smoke joints on the water and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Have a friend with a boat, hopefully. Yeah, maybe maybe have a make a make a pontoon boat. <laughs> I'm totally joking. If you have the means, <laughs> no. Why not? No, that's, you don't want to fuck with the ocean. No, you Especially don't. Especially that, like you know, the ocean in the Vancouver area is sort of sheltered. Like, yeah. You know, you've, I don't know, you, yeah. but like on the other coast, like some of those pictures you were showing me earlier, you would not want to fuck with that. The Atlantic is fucked up, man. Yeah. Doing some hiking on like the East Coast Trail. If you fuck up and there's there's one step, you're done. Done. It's, yeah. uh, it's uh, go Eastern Canada. Speaking of which, um, this will actually tie into uh, another National Film Board classic. Okay. Um, if we're, if we're talking about that, I'm going to recommend another one after you're done. Perfect. Um, so I'll 
I'm going to explain this the best I can. I'll start this off with, um, start from the beginning. So a lot of my familial roots are in uh, Newfoundland, great place. And it's often a uh, thought of a slower place, not much going on. But in the 70s and 80s, um, Newfoundland Television, otherwise known as NTV, was started and run Superstation. Exactly. Canada's Superstation. Nice, JP. Um, so the owner of the station was named Jeff Sterling. Oh, uh, it's, it's funny that you're bringing this up. Did did somebody else talk to you about this? Yeah. Yeah, because he always talks about this yeah. guy. He has got a hard on for this Sterling guy. I'm going to... Okay, keep take, going. Take the torch. Yeah. Um, so Jeff Sterling uh, was known as a, a businessman, but definitely a, a total hippie around Newfoundland. And in the early days of NTV, between like at midnight or overnight when people weren't playing programming, he would essentially just put on videos of his uh, manifesto. Okay. And it would be him talking or taking on this character that later became, this is Newfoundland television for those I'm of you familiar who don't with the know. channel. And for maybe people outside of Canada, it's a very small place, but it's a, it's a long running local TV station. Yeah. It's very like super low budget for sure. Yeah. They're for using sure. like eighties uh, CGI technology. <laughs> it seems like they really didn't leave the eighties still. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it for years, but that's how I remember it. And like, it was one of those channels that they didn't have and they couldn't get enough advertisers. Yeah. So they would just play like music videos instead of commercials sometimes. Apparently it was great. And this is before my time. Oh, no, that's not that long ago. Like it's been within the last, you know, 15 years or so that I've definitely seen it. No, fair enough. Yeah. This, this era is like in the seventies, eighties. No, for sure. But uh, yeah, they're still doing wacky shit. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, when there wasn't anything on TV, the owner of the station would broadcast videos, and a lot of a lot of times these videos were laden with psychedelic imagery, okay, alien worlds, um, and he was known to be a user of LSD. Oh no! Oh no! Um. <laughs> So uh, one of the most popular things to put on, so I've read, like I said, a little bit before my time, but uh, have it on good authority, was uh, the 12 Laws of God, which was a, uh, a set of rules prescribed by Mr. Jeff Sterling. And so this so, guy just had free run yeah, of, of putting out his... Yeah, of course, his own TV what station. Are, what are you going to do? It's just interesting to think, like, what was it called? 12 what? 12 Laws of God. So I guess, like he thought that the 10 commandments weren't just weren't cutting it. So he said, you know, we're going to need 12 instead. I think this is missing uh, a couple commandments here. Well, yeah, maybe some of them were useless. I'm sure they were. You can revise a few. Um, next time later on down the road. Uh, so wait, how does this have anything to do with the national film board? Hold on. I'm, okay. Like I said, I'll try to explain this the best I can. Um, so in addition, also, if any Newfoundlanders are out there listening, there is still his meditation retreat. I'm not sure exactly where it is in Newfoundland, but it's known as Motion. You can find it on all trails. Um, Sterling also believed 
that Newfoundland was near the lost city of Atlantis. So things go on. Why, why, why is that so far-fetched? I guess if you believe in Atlantis. No, no, I'm just saying like if, if Atlantis could exist anywhere. It would probably be in the North Atlantic. No, it's just why, why not in the North Atlantic is what I'm saying. Like Touche. Yeah. Touche. <clears throat> People always like imagine that, you know, these lost cities are, you know, closer to the equator, but who says that, that, that that's a rule. That's true. It's up, up for, uh, interpretation. Right. By the, by the Sterling. Um, and I mean like with all the shit that they've found on the East coast relating to Vikings that, you know, predates Columbus and all that shit. They were there. Who, who knows what was going on? on that part of the world, you know, and at what time it is very true. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. There's definitely evidence of Viking and, um, the Mi'kmaq people mixing and like, you can see how, um, the there's Viking influences in their writing. Mm. It's very interesting stuff. And there was also the, uh, the, this group of, Indigenous folk from Newfoundland, known as the Bailtuck, okay, um, have since like they're no longer anymore. But um, they were an early indigenous group in Newfoundland. There's a lot of history on that little island. Yeah, so, across the east coast. True, very true. I guess Nova Scotia. Where well. people, yeah, Nova Scotia, also a beautiful place. Um, so Jeff Sterling eventually came up with his alias of Captain Newfoundland. Okay, and I'm going to play you just a little bit of his. Uh, I need to describe it. Captain Newfoundland is the spirit of Newfoundland. He lives in the hearts of all of us. His ancestors came from beyond the stars and settled on the great continent of Atlantis. Today, only the tip of Atlantis survives, and Captain Newfoundland watches over the island to protect and advance the race of man in the old world and the new. The captain has power to assume any form. He reads minds and speaks mentally. He travels through different dimensions and different times. Captain Newfoundland represents the best in every one of us. He knows the oneness and teaches wisdom. He has many friends, such as the Silver Warrior and the Golden Dove. He's the father of Captain Kundalini. Join the captain now as he explores the outer and inner spaces of life through the magic of television. And remember, every fan of Captain Newfoundland knows the captain's code. This above all, to thine own self be true. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if you guys are interested, look up the words Captain Newfoundland on your favorite uh, video search engine. And the, the, the video is fantastic as well. So this motherfucker was tripping his balls off and had access to broadcast any of his acid thoughts right. to yeah, the that's, world. That's it's, what happens when you have money. It's great. Honestly, it's inspiring. Um, so moving forward a little bit, in 1974, I guess it's contemporary now that I think about it, um, a documentary was released by the National Film Board in which Jeff Sterling and the first prime minister of Newfoundland, Joey Smallwood. Prime minister? Uh, excuse me, I knew I was going to do that. First premier of Newfoundland um, who joined after Confederation. Um, they traveled to Cuba to meet with Fidel Castro. All right. Fidel Castro had been to Gander, 
yeah. before. Okay. I forget the exact reason behind it, but there was a relationship between Newfoundland and Cuba. And Joey Smallwood, the first premier who was not liked by many a Newfoundlander, um, like I said, travels to Cuba. And it's an hour-long documentary of them pretty much being told they're going to meet Fidel, and then they dip out and and don't show up for the, the interview. You want to hear something funny? Sure. You said that that documentary is an hour? Yeah. Yeah, I think you've been talk, trying to talk about it for an hour. <laughs> I think this is some good Canadiana. No, I'm just I'm just talking with you. I'm interested <laughs> in it. Um, but yeah, it, the result is these people keep going to different places around Cuba, mm-hmm. trying to meet Fidel. It doesn't happen. But they get these great shots of like post-revolutionary Cuba in 74. And um, it still looks like that. Sure, but it's 74. Yeah, no, just saying. Cuba is one of those places that just doesn't age. True. Um, But it's truly, the whole thing is a psychedelic delight, I must say, if you have some spare time. So what happened to Jeff Sterling? Where where is he at? Uh, He's dead now. When did he die? I believe it was 2013. Oh, okay. Yeah. So his son has taken over the radio station. <laughs> radio station? God damn it. TV station. Um, super station. Canada's super station. And I will not reveal any more on air. Okay. Do do. But um, some funny shit. The documentary is called Waiting for Fidel. National Film Board, 1974. Interesting. Check it out, y'all. Here's one. Here's a question for you. It's, What's a, it's almost um, it's almost another shower thought. I, I'm with it. Let's hear these shower shot. Okay, thoughts. Name the one English word that every that every cat and dog will understand, regardless of breed. Feel free to play along at home. You have a guess, what is the sir? one word yeah, that every one cat, English word? What English word that every cat and dog will understand, no matter their breed? Yeah. Food. Close. Treat. Treat. Yeah. I've never met a cat or a dog that doesn't understand treat. It's true, especially when you shake the. You don't even need to. You just say treat. Really? Yeah. They they'll go ballistic. It's really funny to see an animal just lose their mind over stuff like that. Yeah. Love it. So uh, I was driving in between. I was on the highway this past weekend. Yes. And uh, I heard some dude talking on the radio. And uh, it was actually it was actually some American dudes. And this is the this is the direct quote of what he said. And it just seems sounded very weird to me. He said, I'm going to get my Christmas turkey next week from the farm shop. Hmm. Who the fuck talks like that? (laughs) I'm going to get my Christmas turkey from the farm shop. What farm shop was he talking about? I don't know. Like a a place that they sell shit off the farm. I believe they call it a market. Yeah. At least in today's nomenclature. A farm shop. I kind of like it. And a Christmas turkey. I'm I mean, going to get my Christmas turkey next week from the farm shop. Also, it's way too early for a Christmas turkey. What are you going to do, freeze it? 
Yeah. I guess you would. I guess you wouldn't want to not freeze it because it'd be rotten long before Christmas. I don't, I don't think it dry ages well. No. Um, the farm shop. I might start using that, to be honest with you. The farm shop. I kind of like it. Yeah. It's got an, an air of... Uh, there was a dude. Uh, there was a dude in the Walmart parking lot this week. Yeah, uh, selling farm fresh eggs. He just had fucking stacks of them. See, I was wondering, do you have a license for these eggs, or are you just no? He's like, a fucking I've got farmer. A shit ton of eggs, this dude. This there's no way that. First of all, we're not in China. Like true, I know true? that. Yeah, China's figured out a way to make synthetic eggs really cheaper than it is to pr- get them produced by a chicken. They even have a yolk. Like it's fucking crazy. My, I'll bring it up later. Yeah. So anyway, but you got to be a real slimy piece of shit to dress up like a farmer, have a truck <laughs> that looks like you're a farmer, and also have stacks on stacks of uh, you know, those what are they? Forty eight eggs in a square. Those giant Tartan thing. Yeah. Yeah. And the dude's got like I don't know, like fifty of them. I'm pretty sure it's not a scam. Pretty no. sure he didn't steal them from another grocery store and go and buy a farmer costume and truck. That's not what I'm saying. It's just I'm thinking of the the bureaucracy of it. Are you allowed to just sell eggs wherever you want? Yeah. What it, What's the difference from people that take farmers that take their eggs to the farmers market versus people that are somebody that's selling them? In? Like think about in the summer, the, there's people in parking lots selling corn. Yeah, that's true. It's the same. It's the same thing. I feel like food, fruit, Health is, Canada. No, are they just okay with anyone selling food? Uh, no, shouldn't be. No, but I mean, how do you tell somebody you can't sell your corn? Yeah, and how can you tell that person that you they can't buy it? Why, and especially if no one's there to say anything. Right. It's not like it's uh, a big country. It's not like you can return them. Especially if the store is just not there when you like, try to. In fact, um, when when I worked at a large institution, yeah. there used to be like a employee uh, bulletin board online where you could like put up shit for sale or whatever, or like a classifieds. And there was people that were always selling farm fresh eggs from their own farms uh, to order. You'd just say, yeah, whatever, I want some eggs. And they bring them to you on every Friday or whatever. Ah, oh, fuck. I wish I knew those people. Yeah. That sounds like a good deal. Oh, the eggs I go are through amazing. Eggs. You should see the yolks. Bright orange. Mm. God damn, man. Um, at the farmer's markets around here, um, the Hutterite farmers Same thing. have amazing fucking I just, eggs. I wanted to buy some eggs off of this dude, but I don't need that many eggs. I don't 48 eggs. For like, what, 20 bucks? Probably. Oh, no, less. Like 10 bucks. See, that's crazy. Yeah. I was getting four dozen for 20 at one point. That's pretty good. Preferred depending pretty on what type of eggs you're Are into. Hutterite eggs from the. Oh yeah. Hutterite eggs. That's a good price. Man. I mean like if you're going to buy, if people, the people that buy like those omega three eggs, they're paying more than that. A dozen. There's already omega three in egg yolk. Yeah. That's I what know, really gets me. You know, I do. Yeah. Um, I like, I like brown eggs. Yeah. I like brown eggs too. I don't know why, but I prefer brown eggs. I think it's just bleach that they put onto the brown eggs to make them white. No, I don't think so. No, I don't know. They seem like slightly different shape. <laughs> they always seem a little bit bigger. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Next time you're at the grocery store, 
take a look at some regular white eggs and then some regular brown eggs. It's like the white eggs are a little more stubby and the brown eggs seem a little bit, I just might, I might be full of shit. Well, I found my uh, favorite grocery store egg recently. It's grown in our province and they're brown eggs. Yeah. Brown eggs. Four bucks a carton. Nice. Not bad. Yeah. Especially at the grocery store. So uh, there's this thing called heat bit. Heat bit. Yeah, it's a, it's like a space heater. That's also a, a Bitcoin miner. What? Yeah. How? Well, that's kind of how Bitcoin mining works, right? The Bitcoin miners produce a lot of heat. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So somebody just turned that heat into a heater. So it's basically they put a Bitcoin miner inside what looks to be like a space heater. And it's just mining as as it's heating. I like the idea. Yeah, it's the interesting. Practicality, I question. I'm not, I, I I think they only mine like thir- at thirteen terahashes. Which okay, what does that mean? That you would need you would want to be more at, like closer to a hundred at least. Just in terms of efficiency or speed. <coughs> no, if you want to be able to get any return, mm. like. 13 terahash, you're not going to be mining too much. I mean, not too much Bitcoin. You might be able to mine something else. Is it even worth it to mine Bitcoin anymore? Well, obviously, people wouldn't be doing it. I suppose so. Yeah. I mean, especially around here, we have like some of the cheap, most cheap electricity in the world. Mm. Yeah. We also have a lot of uh, capacity for solar. Where are you going with that? Not really anywhere, to be honest. We'll save it for another time. Um, so you sent me over an interesting little article the other day talking about research in the field of neurodegenerative diseases such as dementia and Parkinson's. Um, so the title of this article was Neurotoxic Reactive Astrocytes Induce Cell Death Via Saturated Lipids um, from Gutenplan in 2021. Um, so like I said, they're looking into the mechanism by which dementia and Parkinson's occurs and have found a potentially new target for therapy. Um, so what they found was that astrocytes, which are star shaped cells responsible for the maintenance of neuronal health in the brain. Um, by providing nourishment and regulating blood flow. Um, they basically send out signals uh, on when it's time for a cell to die. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you could drag this out for another 10 minutes trying to <laughs> explain it, but it's really simple. They just release, release this toxin that encourages brain cells to die. And so the idea is that if they can stop or minimize or target those secretions from occurring, that they could avoid a lot of degenerative brain disease. True. <laughs> um, yeah, I question the, the point of all of this, to be honest with you. Okay. So they're saying that these astrocytes release uh, fatty acids, which are toxic to neurons in the brain. Yeah. And they act to clear out 
dead neurons. Um, I'm just not sure how this works in terms of targeting. Like if, if dementia and Parkinson's are a result of neuronal cell death or lack of capacity to work, then are these astrocytes overactive? Are they causing the dementia by killing? That's what they're saying. Is it? Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if it was, I think they were just saying that this is the mechanism by with, by which which neuronal death happens. Right. Not necessarily. But they're also saying that it's associated with those degenerative brain diseases. They are, but why? And that's what I think this. Well, I think it's safe to say that if this is a natural process that occurs, Mm. but they've also linked it to degenerative brain disease that, yeah, you would have something that's overactive or, you know, it's possibly overproducing that shit. Possibly. Um, but having a target for therapy is always helpful. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting stuff for sure. We're all getting old and dementia is killing a lot of people. Fact. Fact, yo. Did you ever hear about the Rob Lowe sex tape incident? Yeah. I'm just learning about this. Who gives a fuck about Rob Lowe? Since when is he relevant? Yeah. I'm just, I didn't know that he was involved with an underage girl. Of all the sex tapes. This is the one that we're going to talk about. Do you have any other ones? Yeah. Uh, there's the Paris Hilton one. Sure. There's the Kim Kardashian one. I'm not saying for there's the entertainment purposes. Jennifer Lawrence one. Yeah. I'm just saying that Rob Lowe was involved with an underage girl back in the eighties and big surprise. Um, it all kind of blew over with, with payment. It's just interesting to see. I didn't know about this. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I mean, I know about it, but I think there's, there's just so many instances of that. Maybe it's interest more interesting because of the age, right? And sure. nowadays that would be a much bigger It'd deal. Be a huge deal. Right. And that, that's really why, why it caught my eye. Yeah. But I mean, there's a lot of people that should be um, retroactively canceled. I'm not suggesting that. Whatsoever. No, I'm just looking I, I at the am. differences. I am. Okay. I, there's a lot of people that I think should be retroactively canceled, but they're not. Yeah. It's uh it's like if you're gonna cancel people, then you know, why is there like a best before date or you get grandfathered in? You know, if people right mm. now are you know, even if you think about the names of some of the neighborhoods in the city and the people that they're tied to and the slave trade and mm-hmm. how people are trying to get that stuff renamed, that's essentially canceling as well. Right? I agree. So then why not why can't you go back to the eighties and cancel Rob Lowe? Or why can't you go back even further and cancel Woody Allen? That's a good question. Yeah. Anyway, if you're going to cancel, might as well, you know, cancel them all. Go balls deep. <laughs> yeah. Something that I didn't know about uh, Rob Lowe. Yeah. I'm not really, I've never been a fan. Yeah. Neither am I. But, How uh, did you come across this? Honestly, don't remember. It's very strange. But it happened. Lather. Lather. Okay. So, uh, I don't know when we were talking about this, but I know it wasn't on the podcast. Yeah. But uh, you were talking about how you were listening to that uh, Deant Word album. Yeah. Yeah. House of Zeph. 
House of Zeph. And I was thinking, like, they've got so many albums. Have you checked out any of their other albums? No. All right. So they have this album from 2016. It's called Mount Ninji and Nice Time Kid. Okay. And there's this one. Well, there's lots of good songs on it. There's a lot of skits on it, which you might be interested in. I'm a fan in. of the skit. Right. But anyway, there's a song called Banana Brain. And okay. it's totally different than the shit on the House of Zeph. But I, when I heard it, I was like, B-Rock's going to be into this. All right. Let's hear it. Yeah. interesting yeah the hard style at the start not a big hard style guy no for sure me neither but the way that the song develops i i really like i'm more of like a chicago house kind of person okay and they bring in those really cool like almost rim shots Mm -hmm. after the hard style stuff ends i don't think i'd listen to it on my own but it's 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 interesting oh i find that uh with this group that their stuff is like an acquired taste. Yeah. Sometimes it takes a couple of listens for it to hit. When well, they're pretty out there. Yeah. As a group, they're pretty fucked up, it seems. Yeah, I actually really like that song. But the yeah, they got lots of good songs on that album. It's worth checking out for sure. I like their their most recent stuff, but I haven't gone back. They have a lot of stuff. I'm waiting for the new Chemical Brothers. I don't know. I would have a lot of hope for I really like their last album, actually. Yeah. I don't know. It just didn't hit for me. No? No. I thought it was great, man. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. There's only really one or two albums of theirs that I like. I really? Can, yeah. I can remember the cover. Look it up here. I'm a big fan of Exit Planet Dust. Mm-hmm. I remember that one. Um, the one with Block Rock and Beats is the first song. Completely forget the name. Chemical Brothers had some great stuff. My oh, opinion. Um, 
It Doesn't Matter. That's the album that I used to like. Okay. Dig Your Own Hole. That's what I was thinking. Okay. It Doesn't Matter. What year was that from? Um, I don't know. I want to say it was in the 90s. They were relatively prolific in the 2000s as well. Wait, uh, It Doesn't Matter is a song. Dig, uh, Dig Your Own Hole is the album. That's a great album. Yeah. That album, Come With Us, big fan of that one. Surrender. Surrender's fantastic. Yeah, but I don't know. After that, I, I don't know. It's not It's not really my genre. And see, it really is my genre. I, I love those uh, those sounds. I don't know what it is about the Chemical Brothers, but they rock it. Nice. Nice. I've also been listening to quite a bit of Bowie recently. Mm-hmm. From the uh, we were talking about them a bit last week, but the the Berlin years. Mm-hmm. I throw on uh, something from 1977's "Low." Okay, this album is it had Eno on keys, okay. Brian Eno on keys, so it's very um, synthy and mm-hmm. different from a lot of Bowie's other stuff. But I really like this song. Sound and Vision, obviously. Sound and Vision. Um, the name, that's the name of a really incredible David Bowie box set. Really? It's available on streaming uh, as well called Sound and Vision. It's so fucking good. There's crazy yeah. versions of all kinds of songs on there. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So that was released the year after Station, Station to Station. And Bowie and Iggy Pop moved to France. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Lou Reed was involved. Was he? Yeah. Uh, to get straight. To get sober after, yeah. I'm pretty station, sure station. that was the time they were hanging out with Lou Reed, or just after. Yeah, probably a lot of bad decisions at that point. Yeah, that's when people used to question his sexuality. But yeah, it was Bowie. Yeah, I mean, not that it would matter either way, but he was always very, yeah, fluid, if you will. It seemed he definitely uh, did well with the ladies. He de- he did well with everybody. It seemed. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, so yeah, they moved to France. They began recording Iggy Pop's first album, The Idiot, mm-hmm. where Bowie produced. And that was in Horreville, France. And then they finished, so they finished Iggy Pop's album and they were working on Low at that point and then moved to West Berlin uh, to meet up with Eno. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, this is definitely the Lou Reed days as well. Okay. Yeah. Really cool history of uh, that time. Cool. Yeah, man. Got anything else? No. Well, it's been a blast. Mm Mm-hmm. Talk to you guys next week. Au revoir. Thank you.